We are live. Bobby Gilbert, thank you so much for joining us on the Dark Mode podcast. I'm just going to run through. I'm just going to run Hello. through a bit of a background, Bobby, if uh, if you don't mind. Hope I do this justice. I say that to a lot of our guests, but in this instance, your background is very, very appealing and it is very unique. So if you would allow me probably a couple of minutes to just run through some of this background. Now, Bobby is the Chief Innovation Officer at Teammate, having served in the IDF's elite at 8200 as a colonel. Uh, his time there was over 26 years long. Bobby brings extensive cybersecurity knowledge and strategic acumen to his role as Teammate. Leading the Unit 8200's research and cloud divisions, Bobby developed an innate understanding of the myriad of attack vectors across global cybersecurity landscapes. He was awarded the Israel Defense Prize, which is the most prestigious award in Israel's defense establishment for his unique contributions to the field of cybersecurity. Bobby also holds a Master of Public Administration from the Harvard Kennedy School and a Master of Science from the Technion Israel Institute of Technology. How and when did you fit all of that into this life? Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Good morning or good afternoon. Uh, Thank you for having me here. And uh, thank you for the warm uh, introduction. And uh, actually, uh, I think every step of my life uh, uh, um, has made me uh, uh, reach this amazing point that I'm currently at, at uh, at, uh, uh, teammate. If you want, uh, I can add and say a few words about this amazing organization that I've joined about seven months ago. So yes, I'm, uh, as you mentioned, uh, 26 years of career at uh, Unit 8200. In Israel, we have a uh, compulsory service for uh, three years. Um, so most of the young uh, kids and girls that have logic in their mind stayed for three years. Others choose to stay longer. Others choose to stay <laughs> longer for 26 years, but uh, I think it was an amazing career. When people ask me what I did in the army, I said that I was allowed to be a hacker with a license. And this is an amazing, amazing job. I can't think of any better career. And uh, now in teammate, uh, as a teammate chief innovation officer, uh, leading our newest thesis, uh, ideas, and uh, building the most successful companies that uh, we can and uh, basically enjoying life, enjoying tech and enjoying Israel. So cool. Can I just say, Bobby, you have probably the coolest title ever, Chief Innovation mm-hmm. Officer. Yeah, yeah, indeed. That's very, very cool. Yeah. I'd love it to know a little cool. bit more about what you do day to day at Teammate as the Chief uh, Innovation Officer and a bit more about, you know, quite an innovative approach to being really central as a, as a BC, as an ecosystem and incubator, you know, as a community around the cybersecurity and AI and, and cloud landscape, if you could tell mm-hmm. us a bit more. Yeah, indeed. So teammate is a venture capital, but a special venture capital. The idea is that uh, we not only invest in companies, but we actually build the companies that we then invest in. And uh, we know we pick the founders, we build the thesis, and this is where I fit in. And we merge between a, a successful team of founders and uh, ideas and uh, thesis and problems and solutions uh, and building successful companies. Uh, the uh, place that I come in is uh, in building uh, uh, the thesis upon which we build the new companies, um, uh, hopefully innovative thesis, or it could be innovative solutions. It could be innovative problems and areas that are not marked as problems at all. Uh, so my daily work is to uh, survey the landscape, uh, survey the horizon, and try to see where there is a place for new companies. What will um, uh, the landscape will look like in a couple of years, and what is missing? And uh, the way that we do it is really uh, uh, grounded uh, to earth uh, using an amazing group of uh, over 350 CISOs uh, that we are talking on a daily basis with about seven or eight of which started each conversation uh, like a psych uh, with asking, what are your pain points? What are you missing? So we have a good view of what is missing and we have a good view of technologies, emerging technologies, and then uh, there uh, is where the innovation comes in just connecting between the pain points and the technology. Uh, so this is my, my uh, 
uh, work, understand what is coming, what is here, what is available, and uh, building what we call the thesis that consists of a problem and the solution upon which we build the company and then invest in. Uh, up until now, Teammate has built uh, 17 such companies. Um, the pace is about one or two companies a year. So uh, my job is to look for the best thesis. It's not necessarily the most hype topic, uh, but is the, the area uh, around which we believe we can build a repeatable uh, use cases, infinite scale. Um, so this is where the innovation uh, uh, comes in. We call it process ideation. And so this is another uh, another term. So the I can be standing for the chief ideation officer uh, because uh, innovating in this field is the, ideating in this field is uh, the, the innovation. So yeah, cool title, but more than that, a very, very uh, cool job with an amazing uh, team of people. Well, it sounds like you're ideating tomorrow's problems and developing ecosystems to solve those problems. That's such an exciting place to be. I think that, uh, that that is a really energized market. I'd love to understand how you go from asking CISOs what's missing, taking that nugget, and then go from that to understanding what the problem looks like, not for right now, but for tomorrow and the years to come. Yeah, so so we, 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 we like to say that there are two types of companies. There are two kinds of problems and solutions, the realistic and the idealistic. The realistic approach is solving today's problem. It can be solving today's problem with some new techniques. For example, solving the data leak, leakage detection can be announced using generative AI. So this is an example of a problem that uh, is was with us for a long time now, but there are new technology that allows us to solve it. And actually generative AI can be applied to any uh, problem, cybersecurity, detection, anomalies detection, fake detection, etc. The other type of uh, companies are what we call the moonshot or the idealistic problems in which we actually create the problem space, as you said. And this is the way that we do it is that uh, we play several steps forward. Okay, for, for, for example, now we have this amazing advancement in EMS with the introduction of GPT 3.5 and GPT 4. So taking forward several steps, what will happen one, two, three years ahead? what new problems we believe uh, will uh, be created and then solving them. Uh, this is both, both of these approaches. I think we are mostly because the CISOs help us build these realistic companies because they assist us with their everyday problems, but we, we uh, don't give us ourselves discounts and we constantly trying to look uh, several steps uh, ahead. Some of the companies, their play is to solve today's problems, but uh, uh, being able to address uh, new markets. I think I think one 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 example of the of uh, idealistic companies are uh, I, will, I will say duality. For example, duality is the world leader when it comes to uh, secure multi-party computation. Um, so so they assumed and we see this this uh, taking uh, th th this is actually happening that there will be a, an increased demand for collaboration over private data of course doing this such uh, calculations uh, in the cloud and not on prem increased the risk because there is another party and they detected this and and they actually solved the problem that i'm not sure that if we were to ask CISOs uh, three, four years ago, they we uh, they have uh, would have mentioned this as an everyday a problem. Another company is Classic. Classic are building uh, the tools for the enterprises to build upon uh, um, quantum computing. And of course, quantum computing is something that is not mature yet, uh, but this is looking several steps uh, ahead. And we have problems that uh, new approaches. For example, Gem is a company. Is a cloud uh, incident and detection and incident response. 
and we apply advanced technologies, AI, now we have the introduction of the um, natural language based bots for, for a problem that was with us uh, several years now. So yes, the innovation can be either on the problem or the solution. And again, this is why I think I have the best uh, job in a teammate, the best team. Are you looking for an offsider over there, Bobby? Let me know so, when you're ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. My previous job, well, I, I was there for 26 years, so I'd like position. So maybe I would be in teammate there for 26 years, but. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> no chance. The wing of this organization, yeah. who knows? The way that this organization and, and, and increases, it, it, it started from cybersecurity. And then, of course, the introduction of, of uh, uh, AI and data infrastructure. Now a day looking at, at uh, uh, fintech, digital health, and of course the intersection between these. Is, uh, we have a lot of privacy issues that has to do with digital health. We have a lot of uh, security uh, issues that have to do with fintech. So the, so the intersection is actually an in increase of the problem. And this is why this place is so awesome. Just coming to work and over coffee, uh, uh, building uh, new cool stuff. Actually, when when I was considering my next my next step after uh, I've ended my uh, IDF my army journey, I've talked with Nadav. Nadav is uh, was by my commander at Unit Two Hundred for several years, and uh, is one of the managing partners in a teammate, one of the founders. And I've, I shared with him that I want to build a company. So his answer was, why build one? You can, if you can build a three or five, come work with us. And, and, and that actually, I believe that this is what, what this is the feeling and this is what we are doing. Uh, so uh, doing, we are building companies on Turbo and, and, and having the opportunity uh, to think and to innovate and to see uh, your baby uh, comes into reality. Yeah, with an amazing people. So yes, this is the coolest uh, part of the company building, just thinking about the ideas. And uh, I really feel honored uh, to have this opportunity. Bobby, I, I'd probably jump in because I saw Gabe taking about 4,000 notes and she's got about 15 things to launch into before she does that. Um, can you help me understand a little bit and for the community that's listening too, once you decide on a technology, you've, you've understood whether they are idealistic or realistic problem statement. From that point, you decide to invest in them. How much influence do you have over the, the technology itself and, and therefore shaping it to the problem statement that you've identified for future use? Do you have that uh, level of involvement with those technologies or it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very much like a, you provide the guardrails to support the growth of. You are asking about the company that we invested or also or those that we build? Uh, the ones that you invest with um, yeah. primarily. Yeah, I understand the ones you build are, are going phenomenally, but the, right. the ones you invest with, not more. more. Right. So, so I, will add, I will tell a couple of words about uh, this investment arm. As I mentioned, we started by having only foundry, only companies that we build. And we, uh, uh, it, it took us several years to understand that the demand from the CISOs is higher than the one or two companies that we can build a year. So this is why we have added a regular investment arm. Up until now, we are invested in about 18 companies in these uh, specific uh, vectors, the enterprise, cybersecurity, and the data infrastructure, uh, fintech, and the digital health. Um, of course, th these are more mature companies, uh, but our, our involvement is, is high. It's not as high as it is in the foundry companies, but uh, uh, actually some of these companies sit with us. Even the investment, the companies that we invested in are sitting with us in this building. We eat lunch with the founders. We discuss technologies. We discuss uh, gaps. We are uh, we are uh, uh, assist them with uh, with uh, uh, validation of uh, new ideas. And in some companies, we actually work together on the technology. Um, so yes, the idea is is to work with those company. They, it's not as much 
uh, involvement as we have with the foundry companies, but uh, we would like to be as much interested as, as possible. We have, the, we, we, we have everything that we need in order to do so. We have the tech people and we have the BD, uh, the strategic research people and uh, the business development people. So we have what is needed in order to work together with them. Uh, and specifically on the tech, we have a strong tech team. Um, and yes, in some of the cases before uh, demos, before some new use cases, we work together. Uh, both ideating and in some cases we are actually uh, working uh, uh, over over their their uh, code base so uh, we would like to be as much involved in their uh, endeavor as as, as uh, possible and, uh, yes if if, if if it were to us uh, we would like to do everything but we can't everything the portfolio is 30, consists of 35 companies and we try to detect and actually actually it's it's uh, the founders do a really good job in understanding what team it can provide and approach us and they are doing the the they do it on a regular basis they know what are our strengths and where we can augment them um so uh, Yes, we'd like to be as much involved as possible, and it's happening not as much as with the foundry companies, uh, but in the investment companies as well. Amazing. Gabe, Bobby mentioned uh, coffee over coffee creating businesses. I feel like that's just you and me all over. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, at this point where prime candidates, Ben, for the next big venture, if you ask me, we've got lots of ideas. We could we could share those with you offline, perhaps, Bobby. Coffee. <laughs> Coffee is the ideation drug. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially when Ben comes in, rolls into the dark mode episode with his second double espresso before 7 a.m. Yeah, I love it. Kicking before 7 a.m. is good. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bobby, I wanted to pick up on two of the key tech trends happening at the moment. You mentioned them a little before when you were in conversation with the SISO community. So it's that iterative process of getting that live feedback in terms of their pain points or problem statements into solutioning is really energizing for me. I think just even being a fly on the wall for something like that would be really remarkable. But particularly, I think ChatGPT and generative AI, AI in general, is really just taking the world by storm. Like I personally can't go a day without hearing about it or talking about it, which is also exciting to me because I also love just going deep into those topics of conversation anyways. But you mentioned in particular, you know, data loss as a risk to the enterprise. I'd love right. to understand more, whether it's from that lens from the SISO community as to what that sensitive data or potential IP or code snippets and those risk mitigation conversations around something like data loss prevention as relates to generative mm -hmm. AI. And then conversely, I am having conversations in the field at the moment with chief technology officers of some really strategic partners who are advising on this. And a big question at the moment is, how is generative AI really transforming the future of enterprise mm -hmm. security? So we'd love to know your thoughts overarchingly on those. Right. Uh, so the thing with generative AI, one can claim that this is just another step uh, from the attention paper from 2017. But actually the reality is that uh, the tech community the engineers and even the open AI people uh, were surprised by how good it is. Uh, just take more data, the same algorithms, take more data uh, and process it. And we have some quite intelligent uh, model. And yes, I believe that this is a huge advancement, even uh, something like, like uh, uh, the cloud. And the story is also, is, is only the, the beginning and every week, uh, every month now we see another huge uh, advancement. Ad advancement. Uh, the CISOs are really concerned, and I think this is the, the hottest topic nowadays, uh, about uh, uh, security, privacy, copyright issues when it comes to their enterprise. The, the, what makes the situation unique is that even before this, the, the C-level executives understood that there is a problem, their employees were already using it uh, widely. Uh, so the train uh, uh, is out 
uh, even before they have the opportunity uh, to to put up a policy or or technology some some organizations some enterprises have tried to block it blocking is not is not an, uh, an option because it just give your organization, give the enterprise a disadvantage uh, when in comparison to other organizations, uh, everyone is using it. So an, an enterprise that is not allowing it uh, is uh, uh, several steps behind. And the risk of, I'm putting aside the copyright issues and legal issues, the threat is of people uh, uh, um, using advanced big prompts and putting their organization's data, this uh, can uh, reach uh, the model, OpenAI or, or any other uh, model, and then it can affect the model. And later on, when another employee, when an employee for another company asks a question, he can get the information from uh, the original uh, company. So this, uh, currently this is not happening because the model, uh, this is what, what, uh, OpenAI are, are claiming that the model is not changed based on the prompt, but this will happen because there is a lot of knowledge inside the prompts and I, I, can, I cannot imagine a situation in which these prompts will not be used to, to advance the model. And this is where, where the greatest potential risk is. Another risk is of people using third-party plugins. For example, there is a this cool Chrome extension that uh, makes your slides look uh, good based on the generative AI. So people take their slides with the confidential organization data and they send all of the data. This goes to a third party. This is not open AI. Uh, and, and the third party relays the information back uh, um, to, to open AI. So now, now we have uh, the organization's data goes not only to the vendors, but uh, to to uh, um, small uh, third-party companies that hold the organization uh, data. Um, we have detected the uh, urgency, and this is where a team of 80 CISOs from our communities came up together, and, and they have written a paper. I think it, it was one of the most... Uh, um, I think it was one of the most, uh, I'm not sure about influential, but it, it, it was the first papers that deals with the risks and guidelines on uh, how to create a policy uh, for organizations when it comes to, the, to uh, generative AI risk in the enterprise. Um, so the first stage is to understand that there is a problem. The second stage is to create the policy and education. But now it's the time for the tech, uh, and we see a lot of companies, I think only teammates, we are aware of uh, uh, tens, if not hundreds of uh, uh, teams that are working on this, uh, this uh, problem, um, trying to provide the organization with tools to know, uh, the first stage is to understand what data uh, uh, goes out. And this goes to the problem of data leak prevention and detecting leaks. Previously, it was based on signatures. And actually, I believe it didn't work. Now we have an opportunity using generative AI to understand and to detect organization's IP. So, so the problem of detecting leaks from the organization, the, the, the need for this has increased due to generative AI, but the solution uh, can be uh, augmented based on the uh, generative AI. And this is where we, we see some companies doing what we call the DLP, Data Leak Prevention 2.0, based on generative AI. We see some other tokenization uh, approaches where the, the confidential data is uh, replaced and then sent um, to the vendors, uh, um, but but actually, ChatGPT uh, is, is is only one. Nowadays, we see generative AI everywhere. This is Salesforce, Office, and people are not aware that they are setting data because there there, there, there are no prompts. 
So the first stage is uh, to allow the organization, the CISO, the executives to understand what data uh, comes out of the organization. So this is one, one, one area. And, and another area that I, I, I would mention is that I actually believe that with the um, increased availability of advanced foundation models, uh, more and more organization will build their own models on top of this meaning fine-tuned parallel. Because previously, uh, if you want uh, to have an LLM, you should train um, your model for uh, the English language and then for your organization-specific uh, contents. And now the, the foundation is publicly available. So this is why we believe we will see more and more uh, models uh, fine-tuned, tailored for the organization. Uh, this, this raised uh, uh, raised another concern, uh, which is how one organization uh, fine-tune uh, public LLM over their uh, private data. Uh, data. Um, for example, let's let's take an insurance company. They have their their uh, insurance data, and they want to fine-tune GPT for over their uh, data. And uh, um, this is a problem because the only solution nowadays is to send your private data to uh, OpenAI. And uh, this is another uh, concern that we are seeing, uh, how to use this over private uh, data. And actually, actually, we, 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 we believe this, this, this connects with another area that we were ideating that has to do with AI security, because actually AI even before generative AI, it creates a new attack surface. So even if you, if if the organization is protected against uh, um, pr uh, protect the workload and the data, uh, even even uh, still uh, there is in new ways to attack the organization. For example, if there is a chatbot. Uh, so if one is able just by using the uh, legitimate uh, uh, prompt to extract data, uh, so this is called the extraction uh, attack. Um, another example is the sponge attack, which is a DDoS uh, specifically for uh, AI inference. Uh, so there are new attacks with the introduction of AI inference learning. There are new attacks and there is where we believe there is a need for a new set of of uh, uh, security prevent uh, um, um, prevention uh, uh, companies. So it's not only the workload and the data; it's it's also the the AI. This is what we call uh, securing AI. And going back to the fine tune, um, taking looking ahead um, three five years. What we believe is that every organization that is using AI will be using uh, um, a collection of, uh, for example, one the chatbot will be based solely on, on the public LLM. Other uh, models will be completely based on the private data, and the other models will be fine-tuned over the public uh, data. And this integration between the public, the private model, and the hybrid model uh, uh, create an interesting problems where it comes to DevOps and where it comes to security. So this is uh, another horizon that we are looking. Uh, it both uh, um, data infrastructure problem and the privacy uh, issue. So yes, the. Uh, Vast introduction of AI creates demand, which creates the need uh, for for uh, protecting uh, this data, uh, and, and it, it it will it will be amazing. It's really it's really every day now just opening uh, the news or hearing, opening the Zoom with uh, one of our sisters, understanding your problems. Oh yeah, super fascinating. I also want to call out Bobby as well. Teammate does have a guide for CISOs, which right. is called CISOs Guide, Generative AI and ChatGPT Enterprise Risks. 
We will link that in the show notes. I've personally read it. I actually really like the section on the emergence of new enterprise risks as a result right. of Gen AI. And that's um, similarly to what you just outlined there, whether that's data loss side, new privacy type considerations, even regulatory, the behavioral injection, threat actor, um, and, and a few other things in there mentioned as well. So um, exceptional guide. I think it also was really timely in terms of the thought leadership right. teammate put out as this was really exploding. And I even see and observe today people that incisors in this local community are still wanting to learn more about this. So I might have that in my back pocket probably rolling around <laughs> Australia, handing it out on the streets. <laughs> if, I may add, if I may add one note, um, uh, you said teammate pe uh, paper. So yeah, we have the teammate logo, but actually the paper was written by, eight, by, by APC. So this is a collaborative. Work. Oh, nice. It was from the That's teammate. Awesome. So we were yeah. uh, uh, just a facilitator for this. And it was amazing. We just put this link. We started writing uh, our ideas and every day new assessors have joined and uh, written their uh, their uh, notes so this was an amazing uh, uh, experience this collaborative work and every kind of organization from our village have added uh, their own ideas um, so yet yeah, it was cool process and a very cool uh, outcome i'm sure you're being very modest there i know that you had a lot to do with that one bobby um, I liked it to start. It's actually taking a step back. The document itself is written as a guide, a true guide. Uh, and I think that's the key takeaway with there is in, in the first page or second page, it says key takeaways. And the first dot point is key right. questions CISOs are asking. I found that piece alone valuable enough. I don't think enough CISOs are asking the questions that are listed in this. And I just want to take a second to read through some of them that are, are produced in this, in this guide. The first one is who is using the technology in my organization and for what purpose? The second is how can I protect enterprise information or data when employees are interactive with generative AI? The third is how can I manage the security risks of the underlying technology? And the fourth is how do I balance the security trade-offs with the value of technology, the value that technology offers? I think that's a fantastic summation of questions that CCOs, CISOs, and CIOs alike can ask those questions of their entire organization from board level down to understand the risks associated and then therefore how to embrace or how to add guardrails or how to legitimize the use of generative AI in organizations. Yeah, completely agree. I think, I think every organization, every C-level executive must read it because it's happening in every organization. Even if uh, I cannot think of, of one enterprise that their employees will not be using this. This is now part of our everyday's work and everyone is using it. Uh, so the awareness is the first stage. The next stage is solving the problem. And uh, now that we're understanding, and this is where the tech, tech comes in and we will see a lot of companies in this area in the following uh, month or years. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I, sorry, Gabby, go. Do you want to just make a comment there, Ben? Because I'm going to switch straight into the mind-bending world of quantum. Oh, yeah, that's where I have to throw <laughs> my glasses to look smarter. Yeah, I just wanted to add in that like I, I, I agree with your points, Bobby. I really implore people, we will make sure that that uh, report is available, that a guide is available, because I implore people to read that. I think it's fascinating, even if you are not at sea level. It's a fascinating read to understand how it is impacting organizations and how you can assist in the embrace or the, um, the legitimization of generative AI in the organizations. Over to you, Gabe. Quantum, I'm just going to see myself out the door. Quantum, <laughs> where do we start? Actually, interestingly, I had a conversation this morning with one of our team members on Quantum. Working one of your teammates? Space. My mm -hmm. teammates. Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. like what you did there, man. That was a great dad joke from you. <laughs> You're getting buddy. You must be hanging out with me more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby, so I just love to get your thoughts. You, you actually mentioned earlier as you were giving us an overview on teammate and the SISO village, all the things that you're engaged with every day. But um, what I understand in Classic, is that one of the teammate um, ventures? Yeah, this is, one of, this is one of yeah, the one of the ventures that we invested in. So the thing about quantum, I would say, I'll, I'll go, go, go one step further. Every, every computers that we have today can be uh, a, a, a laptop, 
can be a mobile phone and it can be the, the oven. Everything is based on the same uh, model, uh, the Turing uh, model. So this is the only type of computing. It can be faster or slower, but, but uh, the, the, the theory behind it is different. Quantum, the potential of quantum is mind-blowing because this is a new type of machine. It's not only stronger, faster, but it can actually solve problems that we cannot solve today. It's not that we cannot solve today. Uh, uh, it will take us a lot of time, but it can solve problems that we cannot solve today because this is different type of computing. It's not a Turing machine. It's different uh, machine. Uh, in order to build this, it's basically basically about physics, uh, quantum physics. And uh, here we have uh, a lot of uh, amazing people. Some of them are Israelis in the uh, Weizmann Institute. Some of them are good friends of mine that are working hard on this uh, problem. Now, it will take some time. It can be a lot of time uh, before uh, this... Uh, we, we, we will be able to build a quantum computer that will actually replace our CPUs. Uh, um, um, this is, when, when this will happen, and, and there are a lot of problems uh, that prevent us from, uh, a lot of issues that prevent us from ish, uh, reaching this, that has to do with physics, that has to do with how you read the results without affecting the results, uh, issues that has to do with reading the results with errors. So all of these are from the physics uh, department. It will take some time before quantum computers will replace uh, today's the CPUs. Um, so this is the very far horizon. Some even say that this is uh, a science fiction. However, uh, when, when this will happen, a lot of things will happen. For example, the, our exchange right now is encrypted. Uh, using uh, uh, nowadays crypto, so some of these crypto algorithms will it will be possible to break to crack them with a quantum computer. But this is the long future. Uh, it can be the very long. Before that, um, there are very interesting areas in which quantum computers in their current uh, uh, stage can be relevant to today's problems. For example, the problem of reading the results, even though it comes out noisy, it seems that this is a good fit for AI, uh, for the, the way that neural networks work. So there we started to see a new areas, new ideas that are not, okay, let's build the perfect computer that will replace the CPU, but the specific problems in which uh, the current state of quantum research can actually create a solve a specific problem. So it's not solving all the problem. It's not cracking uh, 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 um, today's crypto, but solving problems. So this is a good news because it will allow us to do things faster, even dramatically faster. Uh, and uh, again, here, here the intersection between quantum and AI is mind blowing. This is an area that we are starting to see some publications around. Um, a lot of work that is done in the academy in this uh, area. Uh, but my take here is that it will take some time, a lot of time before the risks will come in the world. And even then, when the risks come uh, through the wall, and of course the risk that everyone is talking about is with and now uh, with today's uh, encryption uh, being cracked, even then we have a solution uh, for this. It's called the post-quantum cryptography. Post-quantum cryptography are encryption algorithms that even a quantum computer cannot crack. And we have these and algorithms nowadays and, and a lot of companies uh, are starting to, to replace the encryption with this crypto. So my take here and my... Uh, if I should sum it in one word, is don't panic. There is no need for panic. Actually, uh, the horizon is good. I see only advantages, and 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 the tech community is taking it in a responsible way. So this is something that we should embrace. And everyone that makes any decision that is based on quantum computing should be aware of the, of the timeline. 
of the timeline, some people, uh, and, and again, if, if you are concerned about encryption algorithm being bro uh, broken, it's not next year, it's not five years ahead. Uh, it will take some time, a lot of time. You should add, ask the physicians here. So my uh, take for, for the CESOs here is uh, be aware of the risks. There is a lot of panic that is created without understanding, because if you will go, the hype has nothing to do with the advancement, advancement in, in the physics. These are physics problems, and the hype, based on the hype, if one will read uh, the news, uh, you can think that the quantum computer is, uh, is uh, available uh, to mass purchase today. This is not the situation. So this is an interesting thing to follow. It's again mind blowing because everything that we learn, our kids that has to do with computers and algorithms, this is different model of algorithms. It's 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 great living in this area, but again, no reason for panic. Quantum computing is in its uh, next evolution, and I just found the brightness button on my laptop. <laughs> you were going a little dark mode there for a moment. Yeah, yeah. It's good Oops. to have you back. Yeah. Actually, actually, dark mode, I think it, 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 yeah, it, it's a term that comes from the uh, quantum and optic physics. Uh, so, so, yes. Oh, nice. Good plot twist there. Bit of inception. Plot See, that's why, that is why you're the chief innovation officer right there. <laughs> chief information officer right now. <laughs> Ideation. Bobby, just to round out that last bit. How would you summarize that intersection of AI and quantum for the, just for everyday simplicity to try and understand that? Yeah, as I, again, I think the potential here, if it works, there is a, we, the, the, the resource that will be missing the most is uh, the compute that is needed for the AI learning and inference. This goal that what we call the GPUs, this is something that, uh, yeah. that, uh, I'm not sure it is sustainable that the amount of queries and models that we want to train with the ability and hardware available. So a, 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 the quantum and, and the um, uh, optics, uh, physics have a great potential to create huge advancements in the areas in where we use these GPUs, this, uh, the, the hardware that is used for building the model and, and to inference. So stronger model, stronger hardware for AI allows us to train uh, over much larger amount of, of uh, information. Uh, it's called a uh, much larger amount of parameters. And uh, um, GPT is said to be trained over a huge portion of the internet. We can add books and and uh, TV and radio and and uh, images. So the amount of information is is endless. And what prevents us from doing so is the compute. And uh, a quantum has some potential uh, in allows us uh, allowing us to build more uh, smarter models built on all the. Uh, more and more information and have the inference running faster. Uh, and so yeah, this is this intersection when quantum, I will say no, no, no need for panic and look for the potential. And yet there is an interesting potential in the intersection between those uh, areas, yeah. AI learning, building uh, huge LLMs and uh, a quantum and optics physics. I know where I'm putting all of my money, and that is to the chip manufacturers of quantum. Who's leading the race? Not NVIDIA, is IBM, surely. Yeah, actually, all of the chip vendors are, are putting some efforts in this research. It's still a research. It's not manufacturing, mm -hmm. not new manufacturing. It's, it's about solving problems that has to do with optics, quantum uh, practicals, reading the results. Yeah. The research is mainly done on uh, academic institutes, but uh, yes, uh, Intel. Everyone nowadays is uh, wants to be to be there when the advancements will uh, take place. Um, and and seven dollars forty. If anyone wants an investment, that seven dollars forty is up for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> you got seven dollars forty, Ben? 
Yeah, the last interest rate rise, uh, that's, that's what hit the hip pocket. So $7.40, I know that's a large amount of cash. <laughs> Too good. Oh, amazing. Anything else you want to ask Ben as we wrap? I have Those 45 things that I've taken down, but there's probably, there's probably another episode in the, in the page of notes that I've taken here, Bobby said. Oh, actually I wanted to say, just it came to me just then. I would love to see a SISO guide on the quantum opportunity. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 actually uh, we, we have the huddles, huddles we are meeting about once every two months or so virtually with the SISOs and actually I'm now building I'm considering this a topic for more, one of the next hundreds that we have, just uh, give a one-on-one on quantum physics and then understanding mm. the gaps and talking about the potentials. We have classic here, uh, so we have some world leaders when it comes to quantum. And yes, this is an emerging concern and uh, as, as if ChatGPT, not the same pace, not the same timeline, but yes, this is a concern. This is something that uh, we are considering having a huddle on maybe paper. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have one actually that's just come as a result of that question. Is in, in the in the question between realistic and idealistic when you're you're creating or innovating, is quantum computing front of mind as you're ideating those problems? Yeah, of, of course. This is the idealistic uh, group of companies because it's not a pain point, a realistic pain point of any system. No one will put money. Most vessels will. Uh, uh, their first problems to solve are more realistic problems that have to do with their workloads and data. And, and this is idealistic because we assume that something will happen in the physics, in the chip manufacturers, and then the problem will... Uh, so yes, we are betting on what will happen and when. Uh, so yes, this is part of the idealistic uh, thinking. And again, we like to sell, to solve both. I like to say both the, the, the realistic and idealistic. And yes, this is, this is the results of uh, one of our latest uh, investments. Again, classic. Every company that we invest in is, is, we are using the power of the foundry team in order to uh, decide on every, uh, every uh, investment. So yes, every investment, even though this is not a company that we have built, is based on thesis that we believe in uh, and if we are not believing in a thesis uh, we just not uh, want to make the investment so having this quantum uh, computing company in our portfolio is a result of the ideation of course i love that approach i really do mm-hmm. will be if a aussie saso down under or any of the dark road community wanted to get involved in team a potentially the saso village anything like that, is there opportunities to engage or partner or be involved in the community? How, how is the best way for us to get more of the teammate goodness? Of course. So, so if, if, if there is any such, say, so you are more than welcome to give him my uh, phone number and my email. We are really keen on extending our uh, community of uh, CISOs. We have a good representation from the US and the EU and we are be more than welcome uh, to extend uh, to other areas um, because the problems, some of them are, are similar. Some areas, the problems are different. And the way to do it is to just uh, drop an email uh, to uh, any, actually any teammate member. This is thing that is really, really important to us. I think that if, if, if I should summarize, if I should pick one, one thing that makes teammate that that creates a unique advantage for teammate is this this community, and we do a lot in order to 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 um, keep it a community, uh, not commercialize it, uh, keeping it purely about the value for the community, and uh, we'll be more than glad. I think uh, just. Everyone, if every teammate member will be happy uh, to have a phone call and even uh, during the night and uh, to make an introduction and onboard the new, com- new members to the village. More than welcome to connect with any um, teammate uh, member. I will take it on, on myself uh, uh, to 
be responsible for this onboarding. And we have amazing people that will take uh, together with uh, with uh, uh, he or she, just understand their needs, their problems, their industry, and uh, connect them to the community in order to provide as much value as we can. This is everything that has to do with providing value to the sizes. If you can't find a teammate member, feel free to reach out to Gabe and I, and we'll be sure to put you in touch as well. Okay. Uh, so please reach out. If you want a teammate email, just let it, let me know. Fantastic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll have to fly you down, Bobby, to Australia. Post yeah, this is a long flight. It's a long flight. I think it's it, 22 hours. This is a long flight. Worth it. Worth it. I, 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 was, I was in Sydney. During my studies in the Technion, I was presenting in the one in the conference. It was in 2003. So, yeah, a long time 20 years. 20 years, June. Yeah. You can uh, visit the most beautiful harbor, the best place in the world to live, known as Sydney. It was amazing. Actually, I actually took a picture of the Oleru uh, that won uh, uh, um, photos. Um, contents in one of the uh, biggest Israeli newspaper. Thank oh, wow. This image. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. A usual, a usual good old film camera. And this is amazing picture with the sun uh, behind Uluru. Oh, that's fantastic. Did you get to climb Uluru, Bobby? Yeah, I did. I did. Do you know, you can't do that anymore. So you were well, one of the, the last few people to be able to do that. Where? When? Yeah, where, where? When did it happen? When did it happen? Uh, they stopped that, I believe, last year or the year before. It wasn't too long ago um, to preserve the the history of the indigenous uh, significance to Uluru. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Interesting. Very cool. Really feel honored to have this opportunity. Wow. Bobby, thanks so much for joining us on Dark Mode. As always, whenever I talk to any of the crew from Teammate, I always learn something. As you mentioned earlier, it's all about giving value. So. You have certainly provided us with a ton of value in this conversation today. So I just want to thank you again for your time, Bobby. Thank you very much. It was fun and have a great uh, day. Looking forward to talk more. Thanks, Bobby. As always, thanks, guys. Thank you, Bobby. Yeah, thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next episode of Dark Mode.